Welcome to another episode of the Mark Markless and Toddcast. I am one of your hosts, Todd Workoven, and joining me this week, uh, a return guest host to the show, uh, Nate Heath of the Not Nerd Podcast. How are you, Nate? I am. I am good. It is always good to be back, especially fresh off my victory of the Wikipedia Wars. Uh, <laughs> yes. Previously, yes. although Dave did get to come on before me i guess that was his consolation prize that's right yes for your uh riveting discussion on the size of things but yeah it's things are going well the weather's nice but you know this week i do a lot of it work for my clients and stuff and i was working on this laptop and suddenly it just started belting out someone like you obviously it was adele Ah, the slide whistle. But the slide whistle, but you also get an extra... Oh my, what do we As have I was, there? It's, it's a, a Brian, uh, the Unipiper got me to this, it's called a stylophone, and I finally changed the batteries after unpacking it, but it's just a little, you have a little metal, metal-tipped pen and this, these little metal keyboard. And the funny thing about that is, uh, I forget who shared it with me, but there's some presumably indie hipster band yeah and like they did a whole song and they were like doing the style the stylophone and then i saw um some rock band from like the late 60s early 70s uh really? like bust out one of those and he was doing so it's it's been around for a while but it was it's the stylophone that sticks around very cool well before we get into news stories yeah. i did want to bring up something very important from your is it Dr. R.I.P. VHS, VHS R.I.P. slash three? Yeah. <laughs> At this point for your YouTube account, you had a, a video and I was just watching through some of your videos and I go, that camp looks pretty familiar. And it was the summer camp 93 or something. Yes. And yes. I was like, yep, I know those buildings. It was Camp Magruder near Rockaway, Oregon. Wow. Which I used to, as a kid, My it was my grandparents, like their group at church would go there twice a year, like in the fall and in the spring every year. And so we started going with them. And so I have so many memories and it, I never went there for summer camp. Uh, but it I was, was going to say, were you there trip. that year? So that what I posted, I'm frantically trying to find a picture of the, of the tape because I, I don't think I have the tape anymore. But the tape was just labeled like, BF5 number one, you know, it was something very cryptic, but yeah, it was, uh, must've been one of the camp counselors walking around. What <laughs> is it now? It sounded like from that tape, it was like an OMSI science related camp because like they were talking stuff on the beach and they, I kept hearing OMSI brought up. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe know they were using it for that. Um, but yeah, the, the video quality, but there, there was a weird segment at the beginning with like two, handmaids like carrying a body or something i don't know what that had to do with anything if that i was a mistake. don't remember that yeah maybe they taped over something else yeah maybe it, maybe i was hallucinating on that but yeah it was uh one of the fond memories as a child there is they always had uh, miniature donkeys and you could go oh. on a little miniature donkey ride uh, which i quickly outgrew uh, <laughs> went over the weight limit uh, but yeah th that was just crazy i was like that okay that's the Oregon coast that's a camp and then it's like I saw a couple of the buildings and I knew right away but it's, wow. it's still there and I'm actually going to be in Rockaway 
later this month so i was thinking oh fun uh inspired by that i might have to drive in there and just see how much it's changed over the last 30 years there you go there you go yeah it is it is really interesting this this just all the weird little side things from starting this channel has there is a guy from uh london who emailed me one the one morning he's like i was looking something up and i fell down the rabbit hole of your channel and can i talk to you i want and so i set up a zoom call with him which had to be under 40 minutes because <laughs> there was had a zoom account um in london and he's like i was looking up this um i wanted to do a, a limited series on this japanese cult which led him to find the tape that i posted wow. that also got posted by that bigger channel and he's like I love your whole channel. So we talked all about that and stuff like that. It's like, it is. And like finding stuff, like I'll post something that I've literally never heard of in my life. And like 70% of my channels, like this was my favorite thing when I was a kid. This was like, I can't believe you found this specific thing. And I'm like, it's the, it's the, the reach of the audience of VHS was fascinating because there really was, I mean, like YouTube, like a sub pocket for everything yeah 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 and, and that you're bringing it to the interwebs i think this internet's going to be a thing i think I, <laughs> the information I think you were bringing to all these people but yeah to find some random tape and like if some kid that was at that camp who hadn't thought of it i think it was like 93 or something like that so yeah it's something like, like that that's there's a another long time one ago I haven't I haven't posted it yet, but it just said farm tape ninety three to ninety eight or something oh, like that. Yes, and it's this guy who lives. I, I looked it up um, because he starts out. He's like this. This is the morning of the big quake, and this he's walking around. He lives out in the woods somewhere, and he's walking around. And so I was able to figure out. It's like oh, it was like March twenty eighth, nineteen ninety three, in this one little town in Oregon that got the big earthquake. It was like a rather large earthquake or whatever. Wow. And But then from 93 all the way through 98, he'll just pop up and he's be, and walk around his farm and be like, that's what the developers just bought. And this, it's like this whole little history of this random farm uh, in the oh, middle of nowhere. The time, the time capsules that you come yeah. across are priceless. Well, speaking of the internet sticking around, it yes. might not because Washington is turning up the heat on TikTok. TikTok is facing a renewed round of bipartisan alarms over how fully it protects U.S. users' data from the Chinese government. Leaders on the Senate Intelligence Committee, leaders on the Senate Intelligence Committee leaders, <laughs> says this article. Leaders on leaders. <laughs> Yo, dog! I heard you like leaders. <laughs> Uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee Tuesday asked the Federal Trade Commission to investigate concerns that TikTok's data practices and corporate governance pose privacy and security risks for Americans. The letter follows uh, one from a Republic from Republican FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr last month asking Apple and Alphabet to remove TikTok from their app stores. Um, nine letters last month sent a letter to TikTok. Uh, which I'm sure did a lot of good yeah. asking the lawmaker, asking TikTok to stop or something, I guess. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so in 2019, TikTok agreed to a $5.7 million settlement with the FTC for collecting children's personal data. Uh, so, yes. So TikTok still is not a thing that I've fallen down. The, the closest I get is every night when I watch my meme compilation videos, nice. they will include, I've, yes. between that and what Mark sends me, I feel like I have enough TikTok because I know it's one of those things like, 
I know that I'm not too good for it. Like if yeah. I get it, that's all I will be doing. And so it's like a, a person with a addictive personality like me at this point in my life, thankfully knows enough to be like, I'm going to keep that at bay. Yes. Yeah. I will no. let other people patrol it. It is, uh, it is wild. And a lot of people will say, Oh, you know, I use Instagram and I watch reels. Instagram is a whole nother level. And I've, um, I've got an account for not nerd that I think I've done like two of the worst TikToks ever on two or three of them and um, little I dance wanted to start one backup is yes. none backup exactly. one backup uh, but and then I've started one for PDX Fast Foodie where I've never posted a video but that one I really you know there has been a couple times where it'll actually give you a warning after a while and say hey you know what maybe it's time to take a break because you've like been scrolling so long like they have that built into it wow. um, but there are some fascinating i mean you can once it starts to figure out your algorithm um you know for me it's food and mustaches that show <laughs> up a lot um but there's so many like there's this one guy big old beard and he i don't know where he's at but he puts on a nasa onesie goes into walmart sets up his phone on a shopping cart starts playing taylor swift gets around you know like in front of some people pushes the cart and then starts dancing hoping that they'll start dancing with him and it's like the dumbest thing ever but every time i'm just like are they gonna dance are they gonna dance and there's i mean there's so much creativity and it really is it's amazing it's amazing software and the stuff that you can do with it but uh we've talked on not nerd for quite a while that china we forget who china is a lot of times and there was actually just a story uh within the last month where uh shocker there was people that weren't supposed to be looking at a lot of data on the tiktok you know servers and tiktok accounts and everything so um but there's also a lot of lobbyists that uh, have an interest in keeping TikTok around. So it'll be interesting yes. to see if they can actually make some progress. It's one of those things where it's like, I really enjoy TikTok when I do use it, uh, but I also understand that it probably should not exist in its current form in the U.S. Right. I always, and this is a kind of a big question, so I don't know that we want to get into it, but I like, I when you when you hear like data breaches and they have all this data, data, data. Like, I guess, and maybe it doesn't exist yet, and that's why it's scary, but, like, what exactly can they do to me with this date? You know what I mean? It's yes. like, they can't come to my house and kill me. Like, it's not <laughs> like drinking poison. or It's like, you know, every, my credit card knows that I was just at 7-Eleven. Like, yeah. how is that, like, what is China going to do about the fact that, like, I go to the bins every day? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> yeah. I don't understand how it hurts me, I Yes, I, I think... The concerning factor is, you know, using that data that they're able to create the algorithm that they control what you see. I think that's okay. the important part. And with other social medias too, where, you know, with TikTok, there's no real transparency into the algorithm. So it's like, whatever message China wants to give the United States, they can get a large chunk by just tweaking you know, I'm still going to see my NASA onesie guy, but then the videos in between, it's like, what do they want to show me? And, right. you know, it's like... Uh, Let's take a moment to celebrate our dear leader. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. They might not be quite as overt as that yet. Um, but yeah, just like, you know, whatever they want. And 
you know, it's come out, I think the big finding from the 2016 election was, you know, Russia and China, they really wanted to divide the U.S. Yeah, and, that's true. You know, so I don't know if you've noticed any division in the United States since 2016. I mean, I, I think we're as united as ever <laughs> in being divided. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think it's more of that stuff where it's like yeah, even, that's true. even that's just true. the fact of funneling people towards extremism is an advantage to China. Sure, sure. But, yeah, that's true. I guess I, th- I was thinking, like most things, I was thinking on a personal level of how things affect me, Todd. And <laughs> yes. that's it. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, that's uh, well this, this story was uh, marked by our friend Heidi. So thank you, Heidi, for this. The Large Hadron. And if I mess up, when I was pre-reading this a couple times, I, my brain kept saying a hard-on collider, which is hilarious but inappropriate. So I will do my best to call it the Large Hadron, Hadron. Collider. Uh, it found evidence of three never-seen-before particles, just as the world's largest particle smasher is beginning a new round of high-energy experiments. The three exotic types of particles, which include two four-quark combinations known as tetraquarks, plus a five-quark unit called a pentaquark, are totally consistent with the standard model, the decades-old theory that describes structure of atoms. In contract, scientists hope that the Large Hadron Collider current run will turn up evidence of physics that goes beyond the standard the standard model so they can start to understand things like dark matter and subatomic particles and the extra dimensions in our universe um the collider was shut down three years for three years to update its systems to handle unprecedented energy levels which (laughs) is a terrifying statement uh that shutdown ended in april today's start oh today's whatever day this was written on comes after 10 years to the day after the Large Hadron Collider physicists announced their biggest discovery today. It's crazy that that was 10 years ago. I know, it does not seem right. Which is the evidence for the existence of the Higgs boson, a subatomic particle that helps explain the phenomenon of mass. The three new types of subatomic particles described by CERN aren't quite as important as that, but they do suggest that it's on the trail to discover more things about the building blocks of our universe. So I, for for some reason, I thought Hadron was maybe the name of a town or something. But the the Large Hadron Collider smashes protons together at velocities close to the speed of light to study combinations of quarks that are known as hadrons. So a hadron mm-hmm. is a combination of quarks. So blah blah blah. This goes on a tetraquark and a pentaquark and a <laughs> the quadraquark. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's why I left it in there, which has a charned quark. Hold on. The, that tetraquark was spotted in combination with its neutral counterpart, which has a charm quark, a strange anti-quark, a, an up anti-quark, and a down quark. Ah, uh, of course. So, so that's what I, I was thinking. That is a lot of... Uh, wow. A charm, a strange, an up anti-quark, and a down quark. But it's the first time the pair of tetraquarks has been uh, observed together. So exciting things. Only time once more studies of exotic <laughs> hadrons <laughs> will tell if these particles are. It would be great if the hadron collider was going in a new direction. But I don't <laughs> think I can. <laughs> exotic hadrons in a new direction. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, I, uh, I have uh, I've seen uh, many 
comments. I don't know if they're jokes or not, but I think it was last week, possibly Monday, that they started it back up, and they're like, okay, let's see what happens this week. Oh, nothing <laughs> happened this week. Everything in the world is fine. Uh, <laughs> insinuating that uh, this thing is causing disruptions. I was going to say, if it's been about 10 years since we we, we last use it, maybe that's what has spiraled off onto this, this yeah. alternate timeline that we found ourselves in. Um, the Multnomah County Central Library is going to be closed for three months at the beginning of August, so please, please make a note of it. And that's the, uh, the downtown, old school, beautiful... Yeah, yeah, the the county central library, which is yeah, it's right off the max tracks there. Um, over to McMinnville, the abandoned 747 parked outside the Evergreen Air Museum is going to be sold at a foreclosure auction. It's the derelict Bo Boeing 747 that has been parked in the field in front of the Aviation and Space Museum for some eight years. McMinnville Properties, which is a company controlled by wine entrepreneur Bill Stoller. Owns, who owns the museum, wants to take control of the plane. The museum has struggled for several years after the aviation company's bankruptcy and Smith's death. One former owner began selling valuable aircraft out of the museum to raise operating capital. Uh, the McMinnville Properties hopes to prevail at the foreclosure sale, and if they gain ownership, then what? It has no engines. So <laughs> flying off the sunset is not an option. Um, it's a possibility that it could replane in remain in place it's been parked there for so long that's become a bit of a landmark they said yeah well so. yeah it seems like there's an aviation museum there and there's a 747 in the front <laughs> field maybe we could just leave it there like like is there a more appropriate place <laughs> yeah. i mean that's a pretty pretty hitting the head on the nail quite directly yes yes the home of the spruce goose the evergreen aviation yes space which is museum. still i mean there's there's got to be some documentaries about like just but that whole i mean if if people have never been to mcminnville it is literally a tiny town in the middle of fields and fields and fields and fields of agriculture in all directions and uh, you turn, take a left on one street and there's the world's largest wooden airplane yes. in a giant yeah. hangar yes. and there's a water park with a 747 shaped water slide out of it <laughs> and then you blink and you're out of the town already so yes. it is a wild place that they that they put that and the whole story of how they took that spruce goose down all the roads and got it there and it's it's crazy yes yes mcminnville also home of the uh ufo convention yes. or festival ufo festival festival yeah i was hoping the unipiper would get uh get invited back to that because we went it was the probably the year before uh the pandemic okay. and we were both selling lots of stuff and he was in the parade. It was going great. And there was like the biggest downpour in the history <laughs> of downpours for like an hour and a half. And so like the whole thing just got called off. Wow. Uh, and so I keep wanting to get invited back because I, my notebook sales were stellar. So <laughs> yeah, yes, I've, I've never been to the festival. I went to college in at Linfield, uh, which okay. is in McMinnville, but that was before the U S ufo festival and the and i worked in mcminnville for a while oh it's, wow uh, yeah getting getting back out of mcminnville after the u.s ufo festival is a nightmare because <laughs> yes. it's just yeah two lane county roads that go through other tiny towns yeah uh and five thousand people are trying to drive down it at the same time <laughs> uh well moving on to some fun linguistic news ohio <laughs> state university officially wins the trademark for for the word the from the federal government, namely for its use on branded projects like uh, products like T-shirts and caps. 
that only feature the single word. I when I po- when I pulled this a couple weeks ago, I thought it was like, oh, they wanted to always have the the Ohio State University yeah. or the Ohio, and I thought, but I guess they're using just just the, the. Word, the. I didn't know they had shortened it that far to the word. Yeah, the. so the or I wonder if they say the or the is that a gif gif yif situation? Yeah, uh, yeah I'm trying to think because what where you're here it is like the introduction when they introduce the players like in the nfl and they'll say from the ohio state university or whatever they say and i can't remember i haven't done that recently and don't know if it's the or the i believe it's the now they're just i guess they'll just say now from the and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all they have to say. But I have heard other other universities trying to co or other players trying to say like the Oregon State University, oh, and it's like okay. oh they kind of had that. So okay, uh, so but yeah. it is interesting. Then the nonetheless that they were able to get the word the yeah. So they say the has been a rallying rallying cry in Ohio State for many years, and Buckeye fans who purchase official Ohio State gear support uh, support student scholarships, libraries, and other university initiatives. Blah blah blah. Uh, says this guy trying to funnel attention from away from the fact that he's probably the highest paid state employee in that yes, <laughs> in that state. Exactly. Uh, we I looked that up with uh, uh, Colin's dad the other day. We were talking about it, and the highest paid state employee in ninety percent of the uh, states are basketball or football coaches for yep. universities, yep. and then the rest of them are professors or something like that. It's really wild. Yes. Said. While those three letters may seem smaller in quanti- on, in ooh, <laughs> let's see if you can say that word. Why don't you pronounce that? Inconsequential. Wow, nice to outsiders. Uh, they said the contributes to about twelve point five million dollars in annual sell million with an M in <laughs> annual sales and much more in emotional capital to the Buckeye <laughs> students. <laughs> The emotional appeal always wins. Oh, yes. We've all, we're so attached to the word the. OSU has been pursuing this trademark since 2019 after fashion retailer Mark Jacobs filed an application for the word. Man, this is a hot property. Last year, the company at OSU reached a deal that allows both parties to use the in branding. So, so crazy. I mean, talk about just... Uh, of the ultimate form of capitalism. Oh, yes. Uh, you know that word that's like in 90% the, of sentences? Can the we trademark first, that? The, the first word ever invented. Yeah. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, a missing uh, piece missing of the 1693 ship that inspired Goonies was identified in Oregon off the Astoria coast. According to the historian, a local fisherman found pieces of the long lost ship in 2019, but it wasn't until recently that the samples of what he found were tested and dated. Experts believe that pieces may have come from the wreck of the Spanish galleon Santo Cristo de Burgos, which was the inspiration behind the the cult classic. The Goonies, okay, I guess a loose term, loose definition of the word cult classic, but all right. <laughs> Mainstream classic? <laughs> Fox affiliate KPTV reported the ship was carrying silk and beeswax from the Philippines to Mexico when it disappeared. From the Philippines to Mexico. Hmm. How in the world did it get way up? I guess it really washed off course then? Yeah. The, uh, Archaeologists believe that due to the size and type of wood they found, they're pretty sure it belonged to that ship. So, interesting. How how do you know that? It's like, 
This wood was from around that time. It must have been Therefore, this it was carrying silk and beeswax. Yes. <laughs> I guess you could find some remnants of silk and beeswax. Uh, well, earlier we were talking about how no one agrees on anything, but we found an article that uh, apparently I think all people are agreeing on, and that is Michigan officially becomes the 14th state to mandate, uh-oh, mandate. Mandate. Uh, personal finance education before high school graduation on Thursday. Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed a bill mandating personal finance classes. The legislation previously passed the state's House of Representatives with bipartisan support. As a mom... Okay, can I... Can I just tell everyone something here as a as a childless... As a childless person... At the, at the risk of sounding callous, there's nothing more irritating than someone starts a sentence with, as a mom, yes. because they it, it, that usually doesn't end up well. <laughs> anyway, but as a mom, I want every kid to graduate who graduates in Michigan to enter a world with a diverse set of skills and knowledge that must include financial literacy. The legislation requires that all students must take a half-credit court in personal finance before they graduate. The course can count as math, arts, language, or language other than English requirement at the discretion of the local school boards. <laughs> I'm imagining, I know that sounds that sounds insane, but I'm imagining like if you are a, sh- a credit short somewhere like because uh, I got can... I got screwed over where it's like well this counts as an English but I already have too much English so they're trying to be like this can be a fit Finance into your schedule is anywhere. a language other than English <laughs> well as a person who is not very good at math I would agree <laughs> with that statement um, the law will go into effect starting in eighth grade so the 14 states are I found a fascinating mix of states Alabama, Arizona, Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and Virginia. Wow. So that is like the most bipartisan group of states I think you can get, which is just fascinating to me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that continues to, to roll out. I've been yeah. thinking so much lately like having that that stoner thought of like literally everything we do in society is just made up like we don't like other than we need to food and shelter like all of this is just made up we yeah. can do whatever we want like our education system is brand new like it's less yeah. than a century old of us trying to teach students at a level at that yeah and so it's like well of course we're gonna get it wrong the first time why are we saying let's do it the old (laughs) way change americans are idiots it's like all of the it's so funny to hear everyone all the people who are anti common core this just because of how it's portrayed in the media and i'm like america is terrible at math why are we trying to say let's keep learning it that way like you don't know enough to teach your kid about it and this way, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it just well, makes it's me like laugh, it, so. Calculus. What percentage of high schoolers will need calculus in their adult lives versus basic knowledge on finance? Let's, right, can totally. Can we run some numbers on that? And I, I, I remember in high school, in the lovely uh, Benson Polytechnic High School in Portland Public Schools, um, and I think maybe in, in middle school, I remember there was like, some local banker would come in like once a week to health class or whatever class it was and like we'd have the little checkbook fake checkbook and write checks and do some of this stuff um and i you know 
most people say, I didn't learn anything about finance in high school. And it's like, well, maybe you did. Maybe you just weren't fully attentive in high school. Yeah. So it is kind of like this toss up. It's like what high schooler really cares about finances. And then as soon as they walk onto a college campus, it's, hey, here's credit cards for free. Go spend money. But I, I fully agree. I think this is, I mean, how, how it's not just baked in to so many aspects like every class could have an aspect of financial literacy built into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, let's see, I was going to say something else and now I have forgotten. So let's go to the Multnomah safe rest village is now open in Southwest Portland. The safe rest villages are touted as space as spaces where they put extra commas in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> Portland's safe rest villages are touted as spaces where people experiencing houselessness can live until they get back on their feet. Each of them will have a different operator. The one, um, this one that's opening is operated by All Good Northwest. The program is funded by a federal agent, the American Rescue Plan Act, with multiple other SRVs planning to open this year. So the future locations for these include Menlo Park, Northeast Sunderland, Northwest NATO, Peninsula Crossing, and Southeast Reedway. The next location to start construction will be Menlo Park. So it'll be interesting. Uh, like, as we said, everything we're doing is made up in this society. Yeah. So uh, hopefully this can solve some sort of problem or lead us to another solution or, or do something yes. to uh, to help us solve some of these these problems. Yeah, so. and I, I think this one's actually at the, the site of the old armory on Multnomah Boulevard. Oh, okay. Uh, that I believe has been abandoned for decades. Um, okay, okay. And it's kind of a prime real estate there. And um, outside of Portland, out in Hillsborough, I think I saw a story yesterday, they were talking about how they built something similar, not part of this specific program, but they put six foot privacy fences, both for the people inside and for the neighbors around them sure, to kind of sure. give a little separation because I think it was an open area. But this one Multnomah Village, it's, um, you know, there's not a whole lot right there besides the busy road. So hopefully that isn't right. an issue. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, right. it's let's give it a try huh yeah less yeah. less tense on the street is that a part of something to say i i uh well this is the most non-partisan tech podcast on the internet as you know Nate. yes yes as we, we tried to do on not nerd but yeah i i spend time when i'm djing uh on the weekends in downtown portland driving through portland at about 10 o'clock and then at about 2 30 so i get to see um, yeah. Just some of the, I mean, I, I've been seeing a lot more rats lately down there. Interesting. Uh, and very unhealthy looking rats just kind of rummaging around everywhere. So it's like, yeah. can we kind of try to maybe not have the plague again? Set out some traps. Yes. Um, well, let's go out to Beaverton where things are looking just as bad because <laughs> the Beaverton ba Bargarten and Gustavs and Clackamas will close for good this summer, which is... So, and I like how this this article from a newspaper says, at some point between 20, 2021 and 2022, Gustav's and Tiger folded without much publicity. Well, you are the publicity. You're supposed yeah, to tell us yes. when, not like... It seems like there'd be a way to figure this out. <laughs> it's like they just vanished in the night. Um, but yeah, Gustav's, which is a place I, when my mom and dad come and visit, we always go to yeah, the Gustav's yeah. and Clackamas, um, that spun yeah. off of, of the Rhinelander, which closed several years ago, but it was one of, 
Um, it was Gustav's when they spun off into their own locations was a client, an advertising client that me and Mark and our friend Heidi yeah. and our other friend Rebecca we had at the uh, agency that we worked at. So we got to do their branding from scratch and do all this stuff, and it was it was so fun. And that place was really great. So it's a it's a bummer. Bummer it closed. My fav- one of my favorite headlines. Oh, I did a bunch of, of favorite headlines because they allowed us to be a little bit more creative. And so we nice. did um, the the theater slides that you show, like the ads before movies or oh, whatever. Yeah. They'll just flip through. And one of those headlines was, um, our food sticks to your ribs like your shoes are sticking to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but then we got we got kicked out of the movie theaters because after a couple of weeks, because I think they caught on to oh. it. I don't think they checked it or whatever. So yeah. that got that got banned from the cinemas. Ooh, but canceled. then I did a. That's right. I was. I've been. I've been a cancel culture victim for years. Yes. Uh, and then we made a banner, um, and then a series of ads off of it. But a banner for their um, like when they go to a brew fest place, and it said, "Take off your." Take off your sunglasses. Put on your beer goggles. <laughs> nice. So those are two of my two of my favorite headlines from the days of days of days future of, past or whatever. Yes, and I I grew up in Northeast Portland, not too far from the Rhinelander. Oh right. So I have some fond memories. One of which, uh, as oft mentioned on the Not Nerd podcast, I lettered in math in high school and received my letter at the math team appreciation party at the Rhinelander. That's where we wow. did our, our dinner. Did you guys so. call yourselves mathletes? <laughs> I think that was kind of before mathlete. I, I wasn't... It was great. The, the true story has been unearthed by me. Uh, so I was in, I think it was algebra, like 1-2 and uh, I they said I could get extra credit if I went to PCC for this math competition. I'm like, extra credit that's an easy way to a better grade and so i went and did it on a saturday and might have been algebra three four um after that my math went down the tube yeah uh back to the calculus comment but algebra three four so i took the test and i think i ended up getting third place in the competition so i automatically earned my letter in math so i was actually not even part of the math team but i managed to letter anyways so I guess I've never really realized that I, I guess you can, if your school has a team, you can letter in math or I guess whatever thing has a competition attached to it. Boy, that's, that's Yeah, funny. the academic letter. So on the back of my letterman's jacket, uh, there is the, it's a different color letter with the math symbol. I forget what it is. One of the Greek letters, I believe. It's been wow. a while since I put my letterman jacket on. <laughs> I was thinking about mine the other day too. I can't remember where it is. I think my mom still has it. Um, but I was part of the the first trivia bowl team of our oh, of our nice. junior high. I was the wow. me and my friend Matt Stiefel were the first seventh graders to ever get into it. And then because we did it two years, the first and I believe only two to ever have done it two years in a row. Wow. We were we were trivia bowl legends. <laughs> That's awesome. But I did remember what I was going to say going back to how we've just completely made up our education system. Like, at at best, we need to reevaluate re- the internet into things. Like, are things that are easily look-upable worth dedicating that much time yes. to in class? Or do you say, this is how you 
Google a math problem or this yeah, is how yeah. you do this. And like you give, of course, basic addition and subtraction division, like those things we do use yes, all the time yes. and fraction, some fractions and stuff. But yeah, I mean, once you get into the weeds, unless you know, that's kind of like your thing that you want to do, like what a bunch of wasted time for, I mean, the old meme is like, our teachers told us we'll never carry around com- uh, computers yeah. or calculators in our pockets. Yeah. It's like, well, how much do we need to know about X, Y, and Z if we can find out? Yeah easily yeah that's always a big meme in it is you know uh uh-oh they figured out that we just know how to google better than they do to fix the problem and it's like yeah how much i have very limited brain capacity how much of it should be devoted to you know memorization when i have access to it you know i can just ask my virtual assistant on my phone and get the information. Right. Um, well, and that's uh, not, not to be the world's apparently biggest common core math proponent. Yeah, which, <laughs> who knew? But, but I mean, the point of common core math is to break it down into things that you can do in your head. Yeah. Like it, it looks stupid when you're doing five plus two because we can all do that in the head. But like once the numbers get too big, it's just how to break it down. And like that to me is how we should be teaching everything. It's like, yes, if I need that exact, I can use Google, but if I don't have that, here's how I can approximate this or this yeah. is, you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. and like, that's a perfect idea. Yeah. The, Cause people, here's a big one is like hourly wages and then like fi- figuring out the salary and people are like, okay, well, you work, typical person works 2,285, let's just do 2,000 hours, $10 an hour times yeah. $2,000, 20 grand a year, yeah. like the estimation stuff and that critical thinking of like, how important is this to be precise? And yeah. I was always one of those got, that got in trouble for not showing my work because uh, the way my yeah, brain yeah, works, yeah. I could do a lot of math in my head and it's like, no, you go yeah. back and you write it down. It's like, I got the answer. I don't. Un- I'm efficient. I'm efficient. I always had here. to do that for uh, essays. I would just write the essay, and then I have to go back and do this stupid outline afterward. I just hated having yeah. to go yeah. back and do that outline. Um, well, I cut out this really long article, which was kind of interesting, but too long, about how wind and solar power are bailing out the uh, Texas energy grid. The Texas energy grid has been a fascinating thing to yes. watch from. From a thankfully from a <laughs> yeah, distance, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's 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 really what's at play is um, well, I think where existentially we are as a country. We're trying to trying to do things certain ways, the and 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 some new way, and like nobody can. It just is hobbling everyone. It feels like <laughs> <laughs> nobody wins. We are hobbled. Yes. But yeah, it just does seem embarrassing that like this has been years now how like the world is doing nothing but watching the Texas energy grid and they still are trying to convince people that it's the way to go, but it fails every time and then like they have to be bailed out by everyone else. And yeah, yeah. Not to be outdone, but California too, they have rolling brownouts every summer and it's like this is california this yeah. is like the dream and you just might be out without power for a while because it got a little warm outside or there might be a fire and it's like can we this seems like an important problem to fix the power grid especially as we move more to you know everything in our house is electric and then our cars are moving to electric and it's like yeah. we might might want to invest in this we might need this in the future and have some good options Yes. No, nope. <sighs> can't have options yet. You have to have the problem first, and then we have to scram- scramble for the solutions. Yes. 
Um, the nonprofit behind Shanghai Tunnels Tour loses its access to Portland's underground. So I'm gonna, I'll summarize this article um, that because of the coronavirus and because of changing uh, landlords and stuff, the three there's three locations into what they call the Shanghai Tunnels, which is a series of kind of interconnecting corridor tunnels underneath the sidewalks of some of uh, Old Town Portland. They used to go to the docks. They would do loading and unloading from there. Um, and then there's this whole other stories about how people were abducted from there and now it's haunted and like some of that's true, some of it's not true. Um, this article notes that the earliest tunnels could have been dug by Chinese merchants to conceal and smuggle opium, blah, blah, blah. But there's all the stories about how the bars above would get the, would spike the drinks of some person and then the floor would, oh, trap door would open up and they, and so they do have little tours through there and, um, but now those locations haven't given permission to enter people through there. So there's still one last location that was uh, offering tours and stuff like that. But um, that, that looks to be shutting down. So they're trying to, it's still available through one company, but the um, Cascade Geography Society hopes that they're up and back and running by Halloween. Cause that's the haunted, haunted tunnels is a, is a big oh, thing. Oh so. yes. Yes. And I have lived here all my life. I I have never been in on one of these tours, but I actually in high school I think I was in Seattle and they had a similar tour up there. But um, in Portland, my mom's cousin owns uh, the Dixie Tavern uh, downtown, oh, okay. which is in a historical building. And when they first opened that up, I went down there, and he took us down to the basement, and they have some of the shanghai tunnels in the basement of their wow. building and just kind of showing us some of this stuff it was uh really yeah. wild i mean just the history that's wrapped up in in that is pretty crazy yeah yeah and i went i can't remember i probably i imagine did it with mark and nick way back when uh but did take a tour and that was one of the halloween you know oh yeah if if we all stay silent <laughs> perhaps we will hear their screams to this day and i'm like all right well okay <laughs> but yeah you saw you did see like the trap doors and some yeah. they had some cages and stuff to they would i mean that is part of that is that they they absolutely would uh kind of kidnap people there but i think the stories have become bigger over the years and kind of have outsized the the real facts but you spoke of the black death earlier and now the mystery has been solved oh. 675 years later so we managed to actually put to rest all those century-old controversies about the origins of the black death says philip slavin a historian in the journal nature the black death would the was the initial wave of a nearly 500-year pandemic. Ooh. So in just eight years, from 1346 to 1353, it killed up to 60% of the population of Europe, Middle East, and Africa. The, uh, they extracted DNA from the teeth of seven people buried at the site that they found, which was kind of noted for uh, burying people who died of that uh, because teeth complaint, I've never thought of this, and it is freaky to me. Because teeth contain many blood vessels, huh? like uh, <laughs> I guess they're all packed in like in that core though. Because like if you chip a tooth, you don't bleed. You're making me <laughs> I don't teeth hurt. This is weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, thinking about all those blood vessels, they give researchers high chances because I imagine because like when you see the root canal, yeah. you see them they they hollow at that middle. So I guess it makes sense if that's covered in enamel. Those blood vessels have a higher chance of surviving all mm. of these years of of preservation. So they have a high chance of detecting bloodborne pathogens that may have caused the death. Once extracted and sequenced, the DNA is compared to a database of thousands of microbial genes. One of the hits that we were able to get was a hit for Yersinia pestis, more commonly known as a plague. <laughs> so the mystery of the Black the black Plague is solved. It was the plague all along. Ah, should have known. <laughs> so I think more accurately, they're trying to figure out when what they're calling the Big Bang event uh, started. And the Big Bang is when that existing things, which is carried by fleas and rodents, suddenly diversified and was able to travel to humans. So they thought it might have happened as early as the 10th century, but hasn't been able to pinpoint a date. Um this site of this burial site it predated that diversification all the rodents living in the region now are also found to be carrying that same strain helping the team conclude the big bang must have happened somewhere in the area in a short window before the black death um blah 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 the study has shown how robust microbial ancient dna recovery could help reveal evidence to solve long-lasting yeah, debates like how the plague started with the plague <laughs> Wow. Stop the presses. Get them more funding. <laughs> All right. We have one last story, and it is a feel-good story about nature healing because a T-Rex record filled a pioneer courthouse square. You might have seen the pictures of 380 people showing up to the dino dance party at Pioneer Courthouse Square all wearing those inflatable T-Rex costumes trying to break the uh, record. The previous record was 252 people, according to Guinness World Records. Um, so I believe that they were able to do it, but it's just hilarious. There's one picture and it's just like Pioneer Square and it's just 380 yeah. people yeah. all wearing the identical costume, facing the identical way. It's just, it's so funny. So very Portland, very good yes. Portland to do something like that. Yeah, I saw... I think some friend on some social media posting that they were there with their their kid to participate so that's uh yeah i thought it was crazy because i asked brian see unipiper about it i'm like oh did you know about it and he's like i didn't know about it either so <laughs> somehow both of us missed it and just saw all the pictures afterwards so that is crazy they advertise it on tiktok yes yeah <laughs> you're missing out <laughs> Uh, well, all right, that is all the news I have, so I'm excited because I don't know what you are going to talk to me, uh, <laughs> teach me about today, which is very exciting. Perfect. Well, th this is something that I came across several years ago, and I think I made it a pick of the week on the Not Nerd podcast because it, it's just fascinating. So, and it, it works so well, uh, you know, both with the world of science and with technology and how it all works together. Um, but there's the, the phrase moral panic. And so, according to uh, my face, my face just lit up because I love nothing more than talking about moral <laughs> moral panic. Especially, <laughs> I, I mean, we just had Rick Emerson on to yeah, talk yeah. about Go Ask Alice. So I'm very much exactly. in that headspace I, right I, now. That might have been what kind of cued me in my brain as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about. But um, according to simplypsychology.org, uh, the definite moral panic is defined as a public mass movement based on false or exaggerated perceptions or information 
that exceeds the actual threat society is facing. Moral panic is a widespread fear and often an irrational threat to society's values, interests, and safety. Typically, a moral panic is most likely perpetrated by the news media, most times engaged by politicians, and can result in increased uh, social control. Back to the TikTok algorithm and other <laughs> things. Um, but, and I, I think, you know, a lot of times you think about the 80s, and I know you've discussed before, like the the videos about, you know, for Christians that rock and roll was the devil's music and ACDC backward and... You know, all of that kind of stuff. But I, I think it really um, has become pervasive because it's very uh, per, persuasive, pervasive, yeah. persuasive, uh, you know, method of trying to get something across because you're appealing to morals and you're saying this is extreme. Yeah. And we see it all the time with the tech podcast I listen to. Uh, they have one of the hosts is a journalism professor and, you know, they'll be talking about some story about, you know, Google's coming, TikTok's coming from you or something. And he'll be like, okay, moral panic, you know, this, let's take a real look at this. And, uh, we just see so much of it. Uh, but there is a website called the pessimist archive and it is. It can be found at uh, the domain of pessimist archive, pessimistsarchive.org, and what they do is they go back uh, in time to find headlines of moral panic to kind of put into perspective how this has been around forever. So one of the ones that I thought wow. was pretty ironic is from uh, June 30th, 1917. And it, the headline is Flatten the Curve. And it says, look at the line. It shows graphically how the telephone is used from hour to hour in the District of Columbia. The high points you will observe are between 9 and 11 in the morning and 2 and 4 in the afternoon. Our problem is to handle the traffic during these busy hours. So it's Flatten the Curve, which we seem to have heard wow. recently. It was, you know, these <laughs> back in the day with the telephone. But this site they have i mean you can just click on anything so you can go into a quick uh rabbit hole like 1858 uh the telegraph how will its use add to the happiness of mankind has the land telegraph done any good has it banished any evil mitigated any sorrow is it any consequence that you of new york should know on tuesday rather than on wednesday that jones smashed the nose of thompson in congress on monday upon the whole is it any more money gained or lost by the cotton speculators of new york and new orleans because they know the variations of both markets in five minutes rather than five days before their operations take effect. Wouldn't this man be shocked at the, how all those answers are yes, yes. and how wrong he was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and Wow. It, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't, I see the, the date. It says Friday, January 12, but then, oh, I had this weird, here's a weird thing. I just am realizing it says Friday, January 12, one through six. I was like, that's weird, but that must be 1996 because I have a weird thing in my Firefox. Oh. How every time there's a nine, it just shows up as a line. Oh. And I couldn't, I couldn't figure out for the longest time because on the Drudge, and it's only in plain text. And oh, so really? I was only getting it on the Drudge report. And so I was like, well, maybe it's just some stupid thing that Drudge does to like 
make yeah, a stupid yeah. point or yes. whatever. But then I was, yeah, I was on another site. Like, so from 1996, ex- executives getting out from Apple computer. <laughs> so, yeah. and things they will live to regret. Exactly. Oh, a, wow. A robot is going to forecast the election in 1952. Wow. Yes. So are, are there, are there specific, cause it seems to be if there's a psychological definition for it already, are there a specific set of criteria that something has to fill in order it to be considered a moral panic? Or is that just kind of an overarching word to kind of warn against or point out that behavior? Yeah, I, I have not seen that there's a specific uh, definition of it to see. And I think it is much like everything else, uh, a loose definition. And on the about page of their website, they do say Pessimist Archive is a project to educate people and archive the history of technophobia and moral panics. We believe the best antidote to fear of the new is looking back at fear of the old. Only by looking back at fears of old things when they were new can we have rational constructive debates about emerging technologies today that avoids avoids the pitfalls of moral panic and incumbent protectionism. So, wow. Yeah, so they've been going. They've got a podcast, which I've never listened to. I follow them on Twitter. They do a lot of stuff. And um, see if you can tell when this uh, headline came from. Ooh, this is a fun game. Anti-vaccinationist dies. <laughs> Submits to inoculation only after blank had attacked him. <laughs> I, I'll leave a, out so I don't give any giveaways. So what year do you think this might have been? Uh, I, I'll i guess 1924. Uh, not too bad. 1904, and it was the small okay. pa- smallpox. Okay. Uh, so so John someone T. attacked Joe. some guy. And- <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, it's hard to read some of these articles. Some of them, they do the plain text. But as you right. can imagine, newspapers from 1904 not been preserved perfectly especially yes. about anti-vaccinationist <laughs> dying uh, okay well let, let's continue that oh or did you have more no on no that? go ahead let's say let's we continue that game so uh what year do you think this is from um and i will i'll say al gore is the subject so he's been in po- politics for 50 years you know yes. 50 years so um Al Gore has told computer and telecommunication executives that the details of the government's plan to guarantee that security agencies can intercept and decode messages sent over computer and telephone lines are not, quote, set in concrete. Shoof. Well, yeah, that could be any day of the last 50 years. But I'm going to go 1984 because that's a a good year. Uh, close, I guess, uh, 1994. 1994. So, yes, he was vice president at the time. So oh, he was yes. busy. He was busy inventing the internet <laughs> and telling us that, don't worry, we can. Uh, ooh, how about this one? Technology is making us uncivil. Technology. Can... <laughs> oh. oh, shoot. I thought this was from. Okay. So I got this wrong. But yeah, go ahead. Oh, man. Again, see, this is what's so great about this. It could be so technology any maybe day. technology may be socially neutral, but it's been used in some mighty mightily antisocial ways. People talk to you while you're working on their their blank or this. They use a this to shut out the world, or they'll clog your uh, blank with their own messages. And so, Ooh. 
What years do we think this is? I, I'm going to say 1979 out of thin air. Okay. We were. This is 1990. Oh, okay. But uh, originally, I thought it was 1909. Oh. And I was excited about that <laughs> because I'm reminded there's and it's Socrates or something like that. I forget who said it or someone um, back in like five AD or whenever they were born. But it was a whole thing about like how literally how kids these days don't respect their elders and they're loud and boorish and they do this and they refuse to, you know, listen and all. And it's like every single thing every old person has ever said ever. Yes. Yes. And it's just, we're all living that we all, yes, we get it. Music was the best when you were in high school. Things were all the best when you were in elementary. Like, we all fall prey to that. So I guess, are there, outside of kind of knowing the parameters of what uh, social panic is, how, like whenever I talk to, um, the boy take care of is Colin and he's got four four siblings, all of whom are now 16 and older. So they're all teenagers and we have some really interesting and neat discussions. And so when we talk about politics or something that's going on where you know, so-and-so is doing this and this group of people is, is enabling it or yes, whatever it yes. is. I said, you know, that may or may not be true and fine, we can talk about that. But the graduate level of that question is how am I, how and where am I doing that? Like, yeah. where am I being the group that's completely wrong about this thing? Because we all are. Oh, yeah. Like, we all are in so many areas because we never, it never occurs to us that we all, you know, we are those people. So how do we, how do we guard against this, I guess? Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially, I mean, no, again, no offense to parents, but I think there is something that happens when you have a kid where you, you clearly, the the entire, the entirety of your thinking about the world and, and who you are and what it is has to change, necess- needs to change, and it does. And I think there's always that part of, of being a parent where it's like your child's life and safety is the only thing that matters. So I think from from the religious standpoint, it was always a like, well, Ouija boards open you up to the, like and all of this, and I'm better off believing that so that it does because if there's a chance that the Ouija board is made made by Parker Brothers as a magical portal into the (laughs) demon dimension and I'm wrong about that, then my child is possessed by the devil. So I may as well believe these moral panics because safety is more important than perhaps thinking things through. Yes. And well, and I I think it kind of relates to a saying that I have uh, said for quite a while that hyperbole looks good on no one because it's you know it's yes you are exaggerating a circumstance to make your point and it's i mean it goes back to what we were talking about with the education system and finances and everything it's like critical thinking like okay i heard this story it sounds a little bit crazy or it doesn't sound a little bit crazy but like what what does this actually mean? Like, what are the chances uh, right. this happened? And this is <coughs> totally random as I was thinking through stuff. Um, in 2020, the summer of 2020, we had the forest fires. And there was one of your episodes where you were talking about the fires. And Mark said, yeah, they're telling us that these fires are going to burn into December. And I'm going, and this was August maybe. This is completely random. I'm not this much of a stalker of the Mark and Todd cast. But, you know, he was On like... On episode 32, you <laughs> yes, said. 1947 <laughs> in the episode. Um, but I just thought it was interesting. He's like, 
they're saying these fires are going to burn till December. And it's like, okay, so let's think about this. I've lived in Portland for 40 plus years. Have we ever gone into December without a massive amount of rain? Okay, I don't think. Maybe there'll be, you know, someone little smolder somewhere. But, you know, we were in the heat of it. And that's another thing. You're in the heat of a moment and it's consuming you. uh, Fires, literally, um, (laughs) consuming the state. And so we're like, how are we ever going to get out of this? And now it's like, remember the fires of 2020? And so that was just one, one little example. But, you know, I think a big part of it, I'm getting philosophical here. I think a, a big part is we just need to slow down like in general on everything. And it's like, oh, I see this headline. It must be true, you know. Yeah. And it's like, well, does that is that really true? Is this something that I need to be uh, completely worried about? Like in 1890 when there was this article about <laughs> elevator sickness, a <laughs> large number of people can never ride in an elevator without suffering more or less from incipient nausea or faintness. And to such, it will be welcome news that this objectionable sensation can easily by be avoided by a very simple precaution, elevator sickness is caused by the same law law that throws a person <laughs> to the ground when he gets off a moving car the wrong way. The sudden stoppage of the elevator car brings a dizziness to the head and sometimes a nausea to the stomach. The internal organs seem to want to rise in the throat. This arises from the fact that all parts of the body are not stopped at the same moment of time. The feet being next to the floor, car floor stop with the car while other portions of the body continue to move if the body as a whole is arrested at the same time as the feet there will be no sickness this can be done by placing the head and shoulder and then it cuts off i don't even get the full (laughs) so but this is 1890 can you imagine an elevator in 1890 was it like a horse that was like pulling (laughs) it up and they're going like well i mean when when you do and i think this is even when you see like the glass elevators and stuff like that and you see all the mechanisms it kind of startles you where you're like oh we're just being held up by ropes like it's not it's not magic but i i i I can't remember where i saw that where i read this or heard this so with a grain of salt before you morally panic about how i'm lying (laughs) but how they for the longest time they had elevator operators for the specific purpose of showing people that it was safe. There's someone that has been sitting there all day riding up and down. Oh, it is safe for everyone yes. to go on. So it's not like, I mean, you don't need someone to press a button for you. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it was all the illusion or not the illusion, but to show. Show that, that you can survive doing that. And they've got similar stuff on there. I did find the rest of the article. Sorry, everybody. Real time follow up. <laughs> you put your. Uh, head and shoulders against the car frame. If this practice is carefully adopted, the swiftest elevators can be ascended and descended with impunity. Uh, so, and they actually have the um, Pessimist Archive tries to link to the original uh, article. So, like newspapers.com, right. where it's like microfiche. You've got this, the full newspaper that you can go back and read, which is also uh, that was from the Pittsburgh Dispatch. Well, here's one uh, about cabinet members who fear suffragettes. Yes. So, the long list from 1912 of uh, people, men in power being terrified of women. 
so yeah that's this kind of a fun like a roulette game too of like guess oh, where yeah. it was from and all that wow that is really really neat the pessimist archive um interesting interesting yeah so they cover cover a lot of the big topics and then you know like through their <laughs> twitter you'll find all kinds of other stuff you can keep going forever on there all right well what year were bicycles blamed for youth insanity <laughs> <laughs> Bicycles are being blamed by relatives for the mental condition of Roy Purchase, who has been committed to the Traverse City State Hospital. Purchase had a mania for bicycles and frequently raced automobiles with them. He recently purchased... <laughs> traveled over the country by day, day after day on his bicycle. So he rode his bicycle a lot and said they put him in an insane asylum. <laughs> Oh my! Uh, that is this is so telling of Portland and its bicycle <laughs> love of bicycles. Uh, no, but I'm gonna say, man, like eighteen. Let's go, eighteen eighty four. Wow, nineteen nine or nine. I'm sorry, nineteen ninety. No, nineteen nineteen twenty four. Nineteen twenty four. Wow. So. Yeah. So you'd almost hope that one was older because it's like, yeah. What were we thinking? Although I think t- technically they are only blaming this specific youth's insanity nah. it is not the collective youth so but still it is a hilarious airplane craze sweeps nation yeah. i i can't imagine them trying to like if we just invented electricity and air travel like we would never get it off the ground oh, so no. to speak like w- nobody would ever it's amazing like well and speaking of moral panic like all of the ads that showing the dangers of electricity like yeah. all, like people really didn't want which i get because electricity is terrifying and like <laughs> yes. we're controlling lightning which yes. is terrifying but yeah it's 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 just funny how just humans are always the same yes. like we are just the same primitive creature regardless of what era we are plopped in like yes plopped in caveman times we will all act like cavemen because that's we that's all we are that's all we are is cavemen but yeah it's uh you know we have a fear of change and we have a fear of the unknown and so we make uh make up these things that uh often probably will not uh come true and the pessimist archive is a good way to uh take a look at that and put try to put things in perspective a little bit that's really really fun well thank you for sharing that with me that was fantastic and people can hear more of you over at the not nerd podcast dave what is what is the not nerd podcast not nerd podcast yeah we dave and i get together every week and uh, look at the week's news stories and we try to our biggest problem is we are the tech podcast for people that aren't looking for a tech podcast. Yes. Uh, we Much like how we are a science podcast yes. for people who are not looking for a science podcast. Yes, yes. When, you, when they talk about uh, the riches are in the niches. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're trying to look at the technology stuff that people actually care about and, you know, tips and picks, stuff that we're using, stuff that we've learned because uh, yep. we both love technology a lot and are trying to figure out how to make it work better for us instead of having moral panic over it. Uh, so yeah, we, you know, half an hour to an hour every week of just talking through technology and what's going on and trying to have a good time while doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would 
compare it to this show too where you yes. guys go through and and sometimes we even overlap yes. some stories yeah. so even even the story types are the same yours have all to do with technology and sometimes we dip into it but yeah it is just practical usable advice uh for people who are not looking for a marquise brownlee-esque like 40 yeah. minute deep dive on whatever oh. it's like oh no this is how you do this in the text message app and that will yes. save you time and yeah. this is what's going on with cryptocurrency or this is what you know just making kind of making sense out of like everyone's been so panicked about elon musk and twitter and you guys are like here's what's happening it's just a bunch of idiots shouting into the wind it will be fine <laughs> yes indeed it is so true yeah there will often we now record on mondays uh and then you usually release on tuesday but we don't put ours out till wednesday and i'll be yeah. listening to yours and i'll be like hey we talked about this and he's like oh he doesn't know that yet <laughs> i know and then i'll hear your stories and i'll be and that's, that's why i always try to get out on monday or tuesday so i can beat the not nerd <laughs> yes, because get the of scoop. all things you are the you guys are the most consistent tech podcast yes. <laughs> of all time you guys have not missed a single week in what six years now seven years yeah i think it's been about six and a half years and uh we, yeah we've done 343 episodes wow which is uh mind-boggling it is pretty crazy so yes it is it is nice every wednesday morning i get excited for the to load up my ipad <laughs> my ipod with the latest in tech in technology yes yes so but yeah go check that out at notnerd.com uh, and and you guys also very very different from this show um not only do you guys do corrections when <laughs> the next show when you have gotten something wrong but you take really really great show notes too and oh there's yeah been a couple times because i listen i usually listen to the car and so if something's on then i'm like oh shoot I, I meant to write that down like the the um the a the ai painting thing oh yes crazy this week with that. ai on crayon <laughs> yes yeah uh, <laughs> so yeah and you guys always have that uh, marked out by timestamps and what it is and you guys are uh, on youtube too so if you guys like to like when i cook i realize now that when i when i cook i always like to have something on but sometimes yeah. sometimes my <laughs> my wired ipod shuffle headphones. and wired headphones gets in the way of my cooking fried chicken <laughs> so i'll just put youtube on but it's nice to be able to just listen to something and not have to super focus on a visual yeah. of some sort yeah. so yeah, yeah you guys it's... are on are on youtube as well yep yeah you can find us find us most places and uh yeah we have a have a good time doing it and uh, you and a couple other devoted devoted fans and uh, guests and everything that uh, interact with us and ask come to us with questions because again it's one of those things that we know so much and we're so ingrained that we forget that other people don't know yeah. things yeah it's totally like, oh yeah that's not something that everybody spends hours researching and then you get panicked texts from todd asking why how come when my laptop is open my phone doesn't bing when i get a text message and i mark showed up the other day like i heard this scuffle outside my window <laughs> And I look out and there's Mark and Nick dropping off uh, a patio table that they had oh, in mind. Nice. And I went out there and I thought, well, maybe they just didn't want to, they were on their way somewhere. Yeah, they yeah. didn't have time, which is fine, you know, whatever. But I walked out there and like, oh, we texted like an hour ago. And I looked at my phone and it was oh, like, it had quick snuck in there and was like, no, 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 we really sent it an hour ago. And I'm like, no, you didn't. Yes. And that is, <laughs> so, I empathized with you because my, between my phone and my Mac, it does weird things and it's like my yeah. wife will text me on something somewhat urgent and then she'll like yeah uh hello and i'm like i 
sorry I missed it. Yeah. Well, I'm like, usually I'm not so anal about it, but like when I'm in the childcare industry, so if like yes. there's a parent trying to get hold of me and it's sending it to a slightly to my, important, yes, it's yes, much like the telegraph. Why do you need to know stuff so quickly? <laughs> It can wait up to five business days. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thank you again for jumping on here. Uh, it was fun to hang out with you and chat with you. I'm going to try to take us out um, with the Not Nerd theme song played on, played on a stylophone, even though I did not practice ahead. So. Beep, beep.